This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield. Lions win the first championship in the division since 1993. Dolphins beat the Cowboys. A lot to get to. We're going to do the top five things that happened on Sunday. Things that mean the most. By the way, Merry Christmas. Ted Clark got a great hockey net. His skills are advanced. I will leave it at that. Um, we will start with a stat I saw that blew my mind. So Trevor Simeon is via the AP, 51st quarterback to win a game this year. Taylor Heineke was the 50th earlier today. That is tied 51 for the most of all time with the 2010 season. Second most was 50 in 2007. So what does that teach us? Number one, a lot of backup plans in this league because there's a lot of injured quarterbacks. And this is, as our as our old buddy, all of our friends, Mike Tyson would say, uh, what happens when you get punched in the mouth? Because everybody's got a plan until then. And I think a lot of times, like, it was funny, I put that Chris Long quote from last week up about context. And, and, and the best thing I heard, somebody said in reply to it, they said, you know, you can't use context in football because people call it excuses. And there's no excuses culture. And that's true. So a lot of times, excuses are bad. Like Ryan Grigson, Colts GM, being like, well, we pay Andrew Luck so much money, we can't, we can't build a team. Well, you have Andrew Luck, so that's why you pay him a bunch of money. He's really good. So build a team around him or get fired. Guess which one he chose? Chose fired. Um, but I think that everybody, and I think this happens all the time. It's like, well, what's the plan going into the season for this team? What's your backup plan? That's the most important thing. Because everybody suffers on average one catastrophic injury. It doesn't always have to be a quarterback. It can be a wide receiver. It could be a left tackle, whatever. And if you can survive that, that's when you can truly thrive. Um, I don't think that a Chiefs team without Patrick Mahomes or a Bills team without Josh Allen can win the Super Bowl. I don't. But I think there are still teams that can accomplish their goal without the plan they initially had set out for. So let's talk about Joe Flacco here for a second who has the most quarter uh, throwing yards in his first four games by a Browns starter ever, beating Josh McCown in 2015. By the way, Baker Mayfield in 2018 is third. But Joe Flacco in his first four starts is 1,300 yards. And somebody said to him tonight, they said, you're being, this is a reporter in Cleveland, they said, you're being discussed as a comeback player of the year candidate. And he said, I don't know what constitutes that. I've only played three games, but my comeback is from not going to training camp and bussing kids around. Pretty good comeback, by the way. I've been busting kids around for one kid for 11 months. I'm, I, can't, I can't do crap right now. Um, but he's legitimately throwing dimes. He had a 13-yard pass to Amari Cooper today, and Next Gen Stats did his little, little analysis, and it was the, only the seventh completion in the last seven years where there was less than a yard of separation from the sideline and in coverage. And, and by the way, the, and a quarterback and pass rusher were less than a yard away. So basically, this was someone's in your face, Amari Cooper's near the sideline, and there's a DB draped all over him. And the pass was still complete. That's a dime. That's, by the way, you're talking about no excuses. That's no excuses. 300-yard passing games this season. Joe Flacco, three, Deshaun Watson, zero. Chase Stewart blew my mind with the stat a little bit earlier today, saying basically, the only quarterback still for 300 yards and win at least three times in a season after age 38, which Joe Flacco is, all-time greats. Literally nothing but Hall of Famers. Brady, Favre, Breeze, Manning, that, that crowd. And now we have Joe Flacco, Montana, that crowd. Um, and I think we always like the old, you know, with the old 
F. Scott Fitzgerald thing. There's no second act in American life. They exist in football, even though teams don't want to acknowledge that. And even though it's really hard because it puts the onus on coaches and personnel guys to make decisions, and even though a team would rather be lazy and say, well, we like this guy. He knows the system. He knows our offense. We don't want to, we don't really want to really shift everything around. Like that's the default for teams. Look at the New York Jets. We're going to get to the Jets a little bit later with the report that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are coming back. I don't have as maybe as a negative view of that as, as you would think. Um, but let's, let's put a pin in that. Um, so I think that, the second act and the second chance you give somebody can be the key to your season. Like, I don't want to be like Ted Lasso here, but like, I believe in belief. What is it? Whatever it is that that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at right now Tua, one of the best lessons in what happens when you believe in a quarterback in modern football, Juno Smith last year, Jared Goff, like that's what we're looking at. But nobody right now is more emblematic of that than Baker Mayfield. Um, because what happens when you don't have somebody at QB? So the number one thing is we talked about it midweek. I went over so we talked about it a little bit. Like the number one thing now is you have to have a plan of quarterback because ownership, you need like a like there's an old thing, like a great man is a sentence, not a paragraph. Like owners want just like a one note thing on on what your quarterback plan is gonna be. And if it's if it's complicated, if it takes a paragraph to explain, the owner is gonna be like, Well, fix this or you're fired. That's how Deshaun Watson trades happen. That's how trading up for a first round pick happens. That's how all of this stuff happens. Is ownership wants a very short explanation of what you're going to do a quarterback. Left tackle, yeah, maybe you can get away with the with a quarterback comp or left tackle competition or whatever. But like, even though that's extremely important, quarterback is the one position you cannot, unless you're the Falcons, uh, prey on. Can't do it. And so, what happens if you don't have a quarterback? You give someone a chance. And what the Bucks were able to do this year has been astounding. And I, the, probably the most important football conversation I had this year was with a GM. And I said, how do you determine who you take a chance on in free agency? What I mean by that is like, all right, somebody busts, they're in year four or year five, they can get the fifth year option picked up. Um, or they got, they got caught up in a numbers game after three years and they got released in the off season. They wanted somebody else. How do you determine? It's so hard. This guy sucked. How do you determine who you're signing to a one-year, $4 million deal? Give them a little bit guaranteed, see what happens. Because it's, it's finite amount of roster spots and guys aren't going to come if there's seven other versions of themselves. You can really only get away with that twice a year at a given position group, given genre of position. And this GM said to me, he said, it's all traits-based. And if we liked them coming out of college, we think the situation is usually the reason. Like, trust your scouts. If we loved this guy coming out of Oklahoma or Florida State, or South Carolina, he get put in a crappy situation. Let's give him three million dollars and see what we got. Let's give him the absolute minimum or a little bit more just to get him in the building and see what we got. Athleticism matters in that regard. If a guy flunked out because he was a bad athlete, that's one thing. If he was a great athlete and had great tape, by all means, take a chance on. That's all positions, not just quarterback. But we knew what Baker Mayfield was. I remember talking to John Dorsey about this for his rookie year, Baker Mayfield's rookie year. And there was so much hype around it. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, the second year of Baker Mayfield, people, we've all memory hold this now. There was more media there than any training camp practice I've ever seen in my entire life, ever. 
And I remember talking to Freddie Kitchens and going, oh, this isn't going to work. I've told that story before. But basically, I was like, hey, Freddie, let's talk philosophy, all this stuff. And he was like, I don't really know what you're talking about. And I don't think he was being a jerk. I think he had no idea what I was talking about. I don't think he thought about football in a particularly deep way. But that's, this isn't a Freddie Kitchens podcast. Um, but we knew that Baker can get rid of the ball. We knew we could work downfield. And what the Bucks have been able to do is miraculous. And they have the infrastructure. Like Mike Evans is really good. They had the skill guys. Um, their first year OC is, is phenomenal. What they're able to do is get rid of the ball quickly and get the ball and not like the A dot is not 2.2. Like Patrick Mahomes, when he's throwing the ball quickly, is like not – is basically throwing it to the line of scrimmage or or behind it. Like he's not driving the ball down the field, even though he can, even though he, he will. Uh, they just don't have the personnel for that right now. What Baker Mayfield is doing is the opposite of that. And I think like today he had the third quickest release, but he also – I think maybe had over six yards in the air for the season. It's even longer than that. Um, his explosive plays last year's fourth longest depth of target this year on throws under 2.5 seconds for the entire season. Mahomes dead last. Um, last week, he was 10 of 11 on explosive plays, 10 or more yards down the field, two touchdowns, perfect pass rating on those throws. Um, first his position on those plays. When he's going downfield, he sees things. And now couple things. Number one is that the Bucks need to commit to him. So there's a report that they want to lock him up. I saw a thing from over the cap. I'm not sure how it's calculated. That basically, he has the, the best veteran contract this year based on what he the production he has and how much he's making, which is $4 million. Now, there's an incentive that kicked in because they won the division. Um, Ian Rapport had a pretty interesting report that the Bucks have let him be himself and he's had a humility that wasn't always present maybe in his other stops. I think we're talking about Cleveland especially. Um, I don't know. I've not read much about what happened in Carolina, but I know that that didn't, that didn't go that well. He gets his release. He goes and becomes a spot starter in, in L.A. And that the whole situation got, got, got away from him a little bit. But now it seems like he's a good teammate. Report his weekly dinner with the offensive linemen, hang out in the equipment room. This is via Rappaport, tossing barbs at staffers, and he's patient with young players as they learn. Uh, the mechanical issues are cleaned up, and that was from a shoulder injury. Maybe they remember the original sin of the entire Baker Mayfield downfall was in playing through a shoulder injury, which not a lot of people would do. I don't recommend playing through injury because you see it. Injured guys get paid unless they're injured, unless they're incredibly injury prone and can't play. But at the quarterback position, Injured guys who are just literally on the sideline will get paid more than someone who powers through, shows a shoulder injury, and sucks. Like that's that's a lesson in all of this stuff. But you're hearing all of these things saying he, uh, Chris Godwin said he joined he joined to fit in. That's what he was doing. And the Bucks are miracle workers. This was not supposed to happen. PFF was talking earlier in the week, but basically, like. They had an $81 million dead cap earlier this year. They had to take all of their, their lumps from the Brady seasons. Every all the cap guys said that they were, they were all the bills are going to come due from those Brady years. That's true, but they're coached well on the offensive side of the ball. They still have enough talent. And now they get a quarterback who's in more of a Geno Smith type role where the next two years are probably 
spoken for as far as what your plan as a quarterback. You don't need to go out and be desperate about the quarterback position. Jared Goff, same way. Everybody laughed, dude. I went to Detroit two years ago and everybody laughed when I said they really like Jared Goff. They don't see him as a holdover because they believed in him because they gave him the infrastructure. They gave him time to throw. They gave him a clean pocket and they let him cook. That's what McVay did until they decided they couldn't get them to the promised land. I don't think the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. That's fine. But guess what? They just won their first division championship for the first time in 30 years. So they upgraded. There's a lot of daylight between not having a quarterback and having a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And Jared Goff can get you a hell of a long, a long way within that, that time. And so all this to say is that we look too much at plans and not enough of backup plans. And obviously the Bucs are, they came into this season with Baker Mayfield being their quarterback one, but it was supposed to be a stopgap. What do you do when you don't have the perfect plan? You scrape and crawl until you do. Um, I put it on Twitter earlier tonight saying, who would thrive in a different situation? I got mostly skill guys, mostly skill guys with bad quarterbacks and like every Falcon. Kyle Pitts was a very common answer. I got about 100 answers. 25% of them was a Falcons joke. Got one interesting one saying Adam Thielen should be on the Chiefs. Eh, pretty good. Pretty good take. Uh, although I think Adam Thielen is probably going to want more money than the Chiefs could wanted to spend there. Anyway, I got every Packers defender because of Joe Barry. That's probably true. A lot of Terry McLaurin, a lot of George Pickens. A lot of, and then there was a different genre, which I wasn't really looking for, like Derek Brown, who's a phenomenal player for the Panthers and nobody cares. He's really good. He's thriving in that situation. It's just they're losing a bunch and so nobody notices and nobody cares. The one name that stuck out to me was Justin Fields. Because I'm fascinated to see his market. And like I asked Daniel Jeremiah about what quarterback you'd love to see get the two-a treatment. He said Zach Wilson. And that, that's a different bucket because that's that's going to be bargain basement type stuff. Uh, Mac Jones is going to be bargain basement type stuff. I, I would not commit many resources. I'd love to have those guys in camp, see what they have outside of that situation. But Justin Fields is the guy I would take a significant chance on. A significant chance on. Because he's got the skill set that you should want to coach him. I don't think the Bears, I don't think Luke Getze, if you said, who do you want to coach? I don't think you would pick Justin Fields because of the play calls he has. Because of the fact he's just not doing a very good job. He might just be a bad coach. I might be wrong. But you should want to coach a guy with that kind of skill set. Now, like, I don't know. I mean, some of the problems is sometimes he just he just makes baffling decisions. And sometimes he, like today, he underthrew a ball on it and just kind of just shouldn't have thrown it. That's going to happen. But Lordy, you get him in a Shanahan offense, you get him with more open targets, using his legs, his ability to roll out and kind of suck the defense toward him, find an open guy. That's really intriguing. That's really intriguing. So let's assume that, and I think it's a big decision in the offseason, but let's assume they move off of him. I think a lot of smart teams are going to be in the market for Justin Fields because they know what they can do. They know what they can do once they get him in the building because they will be better than the Bears. Said it a million times, said it on Friday. Geography is destiny in football. And I think second chances are the most important thing for a team. Figuring out who to give it to and then how to accentuate that second chance. I think Justin Fields is that guy. 
Um, and I think Baker Mayfield right now is emblematic of the whole thing. Um, it's been like an amazing few years for that. Again, Gino, Goff, the whole crowd, everybody already mentioned. But uh, it's 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 all leading to this, which is I think we're going to see a very good version of Justin Fields in a couple of years. And I'm intrigued to see what team it is. By the way, I just hope the Bears do right by him and and put him to I don't know, I hope there's no ego involved. And they say, well, let's send him to the Jets so he can be, you know, and show us up. Send him to a good place. Send him to a good place with a good coaching staff that's going to invest the time. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Quick hitter before I get into the, the bigger notes. Um, the Jets thing, I'm all for giving them another chance. Like they, yeah, okay, it's probably a clown show, and all everybody I know who loves the Jets is like, what the hell? They're all everybody's coming back. We're getting the band back together. But point I've made: Aaron, the quarterback, should have the chance to solve the problems that Aaron, the GM, made. The mess that Aaron, the GM, made can be solved many times over by Aaron, the quarterback. Give him that opportunity. Give them one more year. The Aaron Rodgers injury is one of the worst things that's ever happened to a fan base, if not the worst, non-moving like division, non-ownership changing hands, like that, like on the field with the expectations, the moment, everything that was going to happen, one of the worst things that's ever happened to a fan base. And I think you, you, get, you should get the opportunity to rewrite your own history. So I don't hate it. I also just don't know, like you hire someone, you hire a GM, you hire a coach. And he's still gonna. The franchise is still under the let's call it the spell of, of of Rogers. He has a lot of influence under the influence of Rogers, and so that would be strange. What if the coach is like, I don't want, I don't want Aaron Rodgers telling me who, who wide receiver three is going to be. So 
the Jets are all in on this plan, so you might as well keep going down that path. I don't know what you expect. Aaron Rodgers committed to come back to 2024. He's already hinted to come back in 2025. I don't hate it. You already got in the situation. You can't make it any worse. Jets Nation, let's ride. Um, speaking of coaches, Michigan offered Jim Harbaugh a 10-year, $125 million deal to remain with the Wolverines, per Ian Rappaport. The contract contains a clause preventing Harbaugh from leaving to coach the NFL basically this year. And there's some trepidation over whether or not he's going to sign it. I have a question. Isn't this like, so this, so the, the clause is that he can't leave like now, like literally now. I, I, I just, I, I'm not sure if you, if you literally will not sign, I'm not leaving now. That's a big red flag. And maybe he's negotiating for more. Maybe he wants to see how the NCAA investigations or whatever the Big Ten investigation is going to come down or whatever. Maybe he's just waiting for the playoffs. I don't know. But I'd be very worried. Like if 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 Omaha was like, hey, we we want to give you money, and we give him a, but just you can't leave for you know, for to go work in England and go write soccer columns to the Guardian. You can't go do it. That's the one clause. I go, eh, I'm not signing that. Wouldn't they be like, oh, that's not good. So I just, I don't, I, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I don't know how to say that in any, any more eloquent way. If you won't commit to not leaving right now, that's a really big problem. It sounds like somebody who wants to leave now. So we'll see what the options are. We already went through this dog and pony show with the, not dog and pony show, um, the, this whole saga with the Vikings a couple of years ago, where Harbaugh was ready to go interview on signing day. And then the Vikings didn't want him. And so Harbaugh obviously has interest. That was a different situation. He didn't have a national championship contending team. But we know that Harbaugh has always seen that. He was in a, speaking of bad situations, he was in a toxic atmosphere with San Francisco. Nobody liked each other there. That was, they, 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 the Niners were in the wilderness after that. They went to Tom Sula and they went to Chip Kelly. Like it was a rough couple of years. Um, but he got out of it. And so he, he basically had to go. He could have, I think he had to go, could have gone to the Browns at one point, which was never going to be in the cards, but Michigan was a great option for him. And it sounds like if he wants to be in the NFL, he's going to have some great options here. So I don't, at this point, like read, I've not made one call on Jim Harbaugh, but if that's the report, I'd expect it. I, I, I would put it 51% just because again, if that's the report, he will not sign. I won't leave now or this year, then it's a guy who's looking very, very strongly at his options. So that's that. Um, all right. Thing number three. I'll make this one quick. Jaguars are bad. The upgrades were not good enough. Um, Demetrius Harvey, one of the Jaguars reporters, and John Shipley, too. We're talking about this on Twitter. And they've talked about this all season. That the Jaguars went into the season believing there were not blatant holes, is how they put it, how Demetrius put it. And uh, that they wanted to retain their core and move forward. Because there'd be extension soon to Lawrence, to Campbell, Cisco, Little, others. Well, they didn't take a test step forward. If the whole thing, and, and I, I picked them to win the division by default. I, I was with some of the Monday morning quarterbacks back then. That I'm thinking, looking at this roster and saying, what's the big leap here? You're expecting just a massive Trevor Lawrence development from one year to the next? Maybe. He's still the best 2021 overall, uh, best 2021 quarterback. But Lawrence came out after the game, so it doesn't look like we practice. And if he's hurt, I'm completely open to being incredibly charitable about this. That Devin White pick, he didn't see him. He should not be throwing those kind of passes. 
And so now they're in a dogfight in the AFC South. I said this already. Like they, they, this part of the life cycle of their team, they should not be this close to the other guys and the other teams in the AFC South. They should not. They should run away with this division. And I, I couldn't be more disappointed. I think we all, because we love the vibe, the vibes, we love that it was always the Jags thing, and we all like Trevor, and we all like Doug, we hand-waved the GM with Trent Balky, who we all, no one thought that was a good idea. And guess what Trent Balky did? Nothing to improve the team. Where So the core, they were relying on the core being so good and all taking one collective leap that things were going to work out. And the Niners were now, like a good example, Niners were not going to chase Young. Who's got some of the most pressure, some of the best pressure stats in football? A year ago, they went out and got Christian McCaffrey. I'm not comparing those two. I'm just saying, like, if you're if you're not playing in Super Bowls and you want to play in a Super Bowl, that's how you go from good to great. All these teams do that. Like the Chiefs, God bless them, they've made a lot of mistakes, but their defense is rock solid now. And the only thing they have to solve is a bunch of stuff on the skill guys with the best quarterback in football which I'm going to bet they do. The Ravens went out. They got Odell Beckham. They got Zay Flowers. Like, they they figured out a way to extend, and they, they obviously drafted really well. Um, the Texans changed the entire, I mean, obviously, CJ Stroud is out now, but they changed the entire tone of the division by hitting on CJ Stroud because they also hit on Will Anderson. They also have a bunch of guys who look like they're developing. And by the way, Guess what they do this offseason? They're going to sign a bunch of good players because they know they're ready to compete, which is what the Jaguars should have done last year. I guarantee you the Texans go out and spend a bunch of money because they know that they need, before all the extensions kick in and all the cope and all the stuff the Jaguars did, they're going to go out and say, let's go get a number one receiver. Let's get a couple more pieces to make sure that there's a huge one year one to year two leap. And I don't know. I couldn't be more... Be more disappointed. Dolphins beat the Cowboys. Thing four. Um, I don't know where to begin, so I'll begin here. Last drive of the game. I said out loud, nobody cared what I was doing in this house. Nobody cared. Teddy was opening Christmas presents. My parents were watching Teddy. My wife didn't even know what teams were playing. But I'm watching this on a TV kind of in another room. And I was like, man, you know what? The Dolphins can get yards when they need it, and the Cowboys give up yards in those situations. If I know that that's bad, I'm not like a super genius. If I know that that's real bad, and I'm going to get into the weeds here, but I'm just saying like, I said the Cowboys got bullied last week, and it, and it made me question their identity. That didn't, it was, listen, it was a really back and forth game, but I didn't see anything from the Cowboys that made me change my mind. Edward put this stat out tonight where look at the pressure numbers. And I love contrasting pressure numbers. Like the best, I think the biggest difference in pressures ever was the Bucks chiefs COVID Super Bowl, And that just told the story. If you just saw the pressure numbers, you'd be like, oh, that Chiefs got their ass kicked. So all that matters in this game. Consistent pressure, pass rush, and the ability to stop the pass rush. You're playing a different sport if you have the advantages in that. Dak Prescott was pressured on 42% of his dropbacks Sunday, the highest face since 2017. Cowboys did not blitz Tua. They pressured him five times on 38 dropbacks. Um, I did see there's some discrepancy there because 
I will say Micah Parsons um, had eight pressures. So it's possible they had more. Um, maybe it's possible there's some discrepancy in the numbers between next-gen stats or whomever. Um, but, by the way, Micah was the only person generating consistent pass rush. So those two things are not um, – those, those two things are – they're two sides of the same coin. Micah Parsons was the only person getting in anybody's face. By the way, Cowboys fans, I see you. They're not holding – they're not calling holding on Micah Parsons. I understand that. I can dig into that midweek. Uh, it's a travesty, but we'll put that aside for a second. Um. My overarching point here is I thought I knew what the Cowboys were. And then like two weeks ago, and then I see them get bullied in the trenches by a Bills team that I didn't think was very good. They let James Cook, who, by the way, James Cook looked fine this weekend. Didn't look like a world beater. Didn't like the extra weapon that's going to change the entire course of the AFC. Um, But they lose in the trenches and I changed my identity, my, my thought on their identity. And I thought there's a little bit more of the same. Um, the Dolphins beat a good team. Everybody thought they couldn't. And it was it was funny. I, I saw a great quote from Mike McDaniel after saying that it's really hard to ignore the noise and that stuff. Because it is. Like, it's really hard. It's like someone's talking crap about you. It's really hard to be like, yeah, I don't hear it. You know how rich and disconnected you have to be to not hear any criticism of yourself? It's just, it'd be astounding. Astounding. And you can't do it if you're an NFL player. There's too many people in the locker room every day. They're asking questions. There's no way. Everybody says they don't read the papers. Like, that. obviously, now it's just tweets. They're almost always lying. They're almost always lying. I had someone say to me one time, they said they've met one person ever who actually, in the NFL, who actually did not care what people thought about them. And it was Marcus Peters. That was it. And they said, everybody else says they don't care. And they really care. And the more you say you don't care, the more you really care. So I love this quote from Mike McDaniel, um, basically saying that this was this was them proving internally what they're capable of. And they said they checked that box. Now they have the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so this is their first 11-4 season since 1990. First time the Dolphins have won 11 games since 2008. A bunch of teams have accidentally done that in the ensuing 15 years. Um, And so, and by the way, how about this? The Cowboys are 0-32 since 2013 when trailing by multiple scores in the fourth quarter. 2012 Bengals win being the last time. Patrick Mahomes does that like regularly. He has like a 43% winning percentage in those situations. Um, But let's... Again, that's some of that's coaching. Some of that's conservative play calling more than anything is you just can't generate explosive plays, which has been a consistent problem. Um, anyway, all this to say is that I'm starting to come around on the Dolphins making the Super Bowl. I thought, as I detailed last week, that the can't beat good teams narrative was a little bit overblown. Small sample size. Everybody struggles against good teams. The Dolphins are doing what they were supposed to do, and and they did it on Sunday. And I, I I'm very impressed. I loved it, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a great story. Speaking of great stories, and this is number five, Dan Campbell. I did a whole open monologue on Dan Campbell a couple weeks ago, and I don't want to rehash all of it, but the hire's been vindicated after everybody was making their little kneecap jokes. 
because they knew what they wanted to do. Toughness along the lines. They didn't necessarily care about positional value. They'll need more pass rushers as they develop into a, let's call it, uh, a team that consistently competes for Super Bowls instead of just winning titles in a in a down year. That's a hell of an accomplishment. I'm just saying they're not on the Niners tier, and they won't be for until they they get more. And maybe Lee McNeil if he's healthy and and Houston and like all, all those guys. Like if, if there's if there's more health, maybe there's better. But they need to add another pitch on the pass rush out of Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson. Um, eventually they'll find a better core, quarterback. Um, but that that's not that's not top of mind right now. Um, but we're going to go through this hiring cycle and we're going to hire the hot young offensive coach, which again, I've, I've laid out why that's good in some cases, but hire the vision, not, not the, not the playbook. And Dan Campbell had a bunch of interesting thoughts. He was not a meathead. He learned a ton about offensive football from Sean Payton and philosophy, what you should do fourth down aggressiveness, um, how to run a practice, how to motivate guys want to play for him. And that's not always true. Like the Brandon Staley, ESPN had that great report of Brandon Staley that he wouldn't even like wish happy birthday to guys who weren't consistently contributing. But Dan Campbell's not doing that. He's not freezing guys out. And so they had an identity. They knew what they wanted to do when they did it. And I think that's that's number one thing. Um, I will flip that a little bit and talk about the rest of the division. Because the Vikings obviously lost. And then the Packers played a really... I don't even I don't even know how to describe it. A rough, disheartening game against the Panthers team that should have blown out. The Panthers are really bad. One of the listener questions I got were, were the, are the Panthers a good fourth quarter team or is this Joe Barry? It is Joe Barry. Bryce Young had the best performance of his career on Sunday. People labeled him a bust a month ago. Today, on intermediate routes, 10 to 19 air yards, he was completing 10 of 16 passes for 178 yards, two touchdowns. And maybe the part of that's the playbook, interim coach, whatever, but like they don't have weapons. They don't have a line. He's getting the crap knocked out of them. And Joe Barry, because their coverage schemes have been a disaster all year, turned him into Drew Brees. I don't know. I was trying to think of somebody who used the middle of the field well. Um, and I did a thing on this last week. It's time to go. Time to move on. The offense is not good enough to carry. The offense is really taking huge steps. Not good enough to carry dead weight on the de- defensive side of the ball from a coaching position. That roster is better than it's performed. And so I know what that looks like. And I think what the Lions lucked out on this year is a couple. So I, I love the Lions. I've written 10,000 words about Dan Campbell, 5,000 words about Brad Holmes. By the way, everything Brad Holmes said about the timeline, 100% correct. The difference here is that they caught this division in a down year. And that's why when I say more pass rush, maybe eventually better quarterback, they're going to need to hold off a Packers team that doesn't have a defensive coordinator who, you know, if he was actively working against them, wouldn't do anything different. A Vikings team that got really unlucky with injuries, and then obviously the games at the beginning of the season had some had some point differential regression at the end of the season, and then a Bears franchise that is that is the Bears franchise. What's that? You call, this, there's a word for it. It's the thing that can only be defined by itself. They had another Bears season, and it might take two more years for them to get more talent around whoever the quarterback is next year, so we can remove them. 
But I think there could be quick turnarounds in Minnesota, and there could be a quick turnaround in Green Bay. And and they need they need to not do what the Lions did. They need to, excuse me. They need to go out and not do what the Jaguars did. They need to go be aggressive. They need to build their roster, and they need to they need to to fill their holes. Because the number one problem with certain franchises is they think we're good in our division, so we don't need to go out and make the huge move. You do need to make the huge move because you're competing with teams that are essentially all in in a lot of cases. And that that's that's the biggest thing for me is like all in begets all in. So like the Rams go all in a couple of years ago and a bunch of other teams say, you know what, we're going to make three trades too. And I think that because that's become more normal, we don't think about making the splashy trade all the time. But the Niners are. The Eagles tried a hell of a lot. Um, the Cowboys don't don't really, but they're probably not going to win the Super Bowl every year. So I love the Lions. It's a hell of a start. I trust them completely to keep growing as a franchise. Uh, and fans deserve it. The fans deserve it so much. It gets so loud in that building. I've been to training camp a million times. They, they just... Love being out there even when the team sucks. Um, I can't think of a fan base that deserves this this more in the NFC. So that's it. All right. Uh, we will see you on Wednesday with Chris Sims. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Everything, everything you're you're celebrating this month. New Year's. We'll see them before then a couple of times. Um, I hope you, you have a great time. We'll be back midweek. Um, I think we're just gonna do that episode. Um, and we'll cover it all. We'll do a longish episode with Chris, preview some of the games coming up. Um, and we'll have a recap of one of the biggest games of the year, Sunday night, Ravens Niners. There it is. This has been football. Thank you to Miles and Flynn for your production. Help.